gentlemen, thanks once again for joining me here at Pastors Pause of Mental Health. Uh, as you see, yet another wonderful guest that we have, and we'll get to him in just a moment, and I'll let him tell you all about his wonderful self. Uh, but if you like this, please subscribe and share and uh, all that good stuff. Like it, and if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me. It'll be in the comment section uh, that you can contact me. Check out the website at ppmhi.org. And without any further shenanigans from me, let's move on. Um, so here we have uh, Ryan Stralo, uh, DCE, so Director of Christian Education um, at a, a pretty large church in, in Southeast Idaho. In fact, uh, uh, someone call it the, would call it the mega church of Pocatello, Idaho, um, and it's quite the facility. Uh, you know, a, a school with a high school and a preschool and and a large church, so just a lot of great things happening there. And so, uh, really, Ryan, I just want you to kind of share, if you would, your journey to where you're at now. But one of the things I'm always looking for is in your role, even though you don't have the official title of an ordained pastor. Um, what you do have is a lot of pastoral work in what you do. A lot of things that you do are very pastoral, which is what we want in those positions because you're you're working with people and I don't want to give away all that you do because I want you to be able to share with that. But before we get to what you actually do in the church, could you just tell us a little bit about what brought you to be involved in the ministry? Yeah, so um, I, uh, I grew up um, in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, um, which is kind of a LCMS Lutheran hotbed. I call it one of the three Lutheran meccas, actually, um, Milwaukee, St. Louis, and Fort Wayne. Um, but uh, I ended up, uh, I ended up kind of going through school. I, I actually went to a to a Lutheran school uh, my whole life, actually, preschool all the way through undergrad. Um, and uh, um, when I was in high school. Um, kind of the path for me was um, kind of going on to be a secondary ed high school teacher was kind of my idea. Um, both my mom and my dad um, were and are um, Lutheran school teachers. And so my sister knew she was going to be a Lutheran school teacher since like fourth grade or something like that. So I was just like, naturally, this is what I'm going to do. And then um, I went uh, to this big conference that we do once every three years called National Youth Gathering, where it's like 25,000 um, LCMS uh, Lutheran youth. And uh, I kind of just had this feeling that like God wasn't really calling me into being a teacher. Um, and uh, there was other things kind of going on at my mo at that moment in life. And I just like, was kind of having this like personal crisis and, um, you know, ended up, you know, yelling at God one night in a hotel room, what do you want me to do? And he didn't answer me. Um, but then uh, I went into my youth director's room and I just said, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. Like, I don't know what to do. And and they're like, have you ever heard of this thing called DCE? And I'm like, no, what's that? And their answer was, well, you get to do this every day. And I'm like, sweet. I get to go to this amazing conference where I hear all these speakers and, you know, worship with 25,000 other people. That's the best thing in the world. So kind of on a whim, I actually went to Concordia um, because in, although Milwaukee is a hotbed of Lutheran churches, DCE ministry wasn't huge, actually. It was a lot of part-time youth directors, um, a lot of volunteer, like my, my school was, my, my church and school worshiped like six, 700 on a Sunday. 
um, 300 kids in the school and they didn't, they had a volunteer youth director. Um, and so youth ministry was not a focus, um, of what they were doing there. It was all school ministry. And so, um, that was kind of part of the thing that ended up pushing me towards wanting to go towards DC. Obviously I researched it more. I didn't just jump on a plane and go to, you know, Concordia for that. But, um, as I looked at it, I'm like, man, how in the world has our church not invested in this and how much more of my friends could still be like going to church and in the word had my church had a DCE rather than just a volunteer. Like, and my youth directors were great. Don't get me wrong, but there's a different level of care that you can give. So long story short, went to school there. I ended up going on my internship um, up in Alaska for a year and they ended up calling me to that congregation. Um, and I stayed there for another couple years and then um, met a guy who is now my senior pastor here down in Pocatello and um, well up there. And uh, he ended up calling me and I've been here for about nine years now. So. So uh, what do you, what's your current role then in the church? What are the ministries that you oversee and what do you do there? Yeah. So my primary call to this congregation is middle school and high school youth ministry. Um, but that um, in it, you know, you, you kind of outlined it a little bit, but I think preschool through, through 12th grade, we have 550 kids on our campus every day. Um, and so um, obviously I'm doing, you know, middle school youth group, high school youth group confirmation in our denomination um, is very, very big. And so, um, you know, do that. Um, uh, but then there's also a lot of other ancillary things. I coach um, in the high school. Um, I'm kind of a pseudo guidance counselor for the high school, which now I'm actually pursuing a master's degree in school counseling because of that um, to kind of try to get some more tools to help out with that. Um, and, um, just a myriad of other things, first communion, um, family Bible hour on Sunday mornings. Um, you know, the list goes on. <laughs> and you teach a couple classes, right? In, that's in right. School. That's right. Yep. So I teach, uh, our eight, our eighth grade Christian studies class, which is a, a theology class. So, yeah. Yeah. Which is great. You're, you know, educated enough to do that which is wonderful and and so um so you told us a little bit about the school what's what's a little bit about the church dynamics so you have over 500 students in the school not all of them um, worship at the church there um there's a pretty good mix which again is a wonderful uh, for those who don't know a lot of the reasons that lutherans start schools is really their main outreach um, is how we share the gospel with a world um that is that is in great need. So we've, we've put great schools together. They have great academics and, and it's very attractive to a, a lot of people. And so we get them to come to school and they have to participate in uh, everything that the school does. And, you know, there's chapel every week, which you're involved with at times. There's um, these things where uh, these events that the church and the school hopefully kind of partner together to do so that we can reach people um, for the kingdom and share Jesus with them. So so that's the school side a little bit we talked about. So what is the main thing you do uh, on the church side and and what does it look like on a, a regular basis at the church? Yeah. So, you know, Sunday mornings here, we have two services and between those two services, I'd say we worship about 400 on a Sunday. Um, we're kind of actually starting to 
get some, well, I, I shouldn't say get some people back. We're, we're adding new people, um, uh, after COVID finally, and kind of getting back to our, to our pre COVID numbers, I feel like. Um, and, uh, and so, um, so we do that, um, in between those two services, we have a Bible hour, um, at this year, we have a very small confirmation class. So we teach every other week rather than every week, but normally that would kind of be an area of responsibility for me every week as well. Um, and then, uh, and so kind of just overseeing kind of those, those main groups on Sunday morning as well. So like you said, it's, it's a unique population here. So we only... I would say we we have about 20 to 25 percent of our student population that actually comes to church here um and of the people that do come to church here we're probably only about 10 percent lcms truly lutheran like obviously like our the people who worship here are now lutheran we would say i suppose um but that's not really the focus of what we're doing you know what we always say and what our what our pastor says is you know, we're in the business of making Christians and it just so happens that they're lear learning Lutheran theology along the way. You know, um, we're, we're in a unique setting where, you know, 40 to 60% of our, our surrounding population here in Pocatello is LDS Mormon. And so, um, that is kind of the area that we're in. And so, you know, the majority of people who have lived in Pocatello their whole life either were members of the church at one point or just have kind of this cultural community tie to that faith tradition and um, are kind of coming from that, from many different perspectives. Yeah. 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 Um, that's, that's kind of our unique piece here. Yeah. So, um, so let's talk a minute about, I mean, you do retreats every year and, um, and obviously uh, you know, some of it is you're not doing these by yourself. Uh, mm -hmm. because you have a decent amount of of students and kids that that go on these retreats and and you have uh you you, you lead a weekly middle school and high school um regular meetings right throughout the week and again um you can't do it all on your own so uh, kind of tell me how you rely on church members for some of these things yeah so our middle school youth group we meet on every other monday actually that was a switch we made this year um for to be honest with you for the mental health of myself, but really our volunteers actually, because, um, you know, showing the love of Jesus to middle schoolers can be really difficult sometimes. <laughs> and so, um, you know, uh, and, and what we actually found is meeting weekly for that group, you'd have more, um, issues kind of pop up with each other that would spill over from school. That, that ministry is very emblematic of our school. Like we get anywhere from 25 to 40 kids on a Monday night. And it's because I send out an email to our middle school, like everybody in our middle school, the, the 90 kids in our middle school or whatever. Um, and so I've got a team of about five other volunteers, um, that come out for that night in addition to me. And then um, even this last weekend, they had a retreat up at our camp, um, about four hours north of us, a winter retreat. And uh, I'm kind of going through some health stuff right now and I wasn't able to go. And so um, that team went, but then I was also able to reach out to two or three other adults um, that were able to go up on that retreat as well. So I have kind of my committed like five or six that are there 
you know, for every regular youth meeting and retreat. But then I also have another probably 10 or so that I can call up and be like, hey, can you come do this thing with us? And so um, on the high school side, very, very similar. So another committed team of like four to five adults, um, but um, an additional, you know, 10 or so people um, that I can reach out to for for help in those kind of situations as well. So, yeah, so I'd like to explore that for just a moment, because, you know, here's this retreat um kind of a cool thing great place that we get to go to um you, you know in the sawtooth mountains and and you know this is your thing i mean you you're the one that puts it together you plan it all and and yet you were um unable to go and so tell me how how you felt um when y- you were able to call some people and they responded and said yeah we'll go do it how did that how did that make you feel yeah i mean it's amazing that people can step up in those moments and you know we're reading we're reading in staff actually sorry that's fine this book right now strengthening the soul of your leadership Mm -hmm. and uh i we're very early in the book right now and uh there was this one quote that stood out to me (laughs) From the start of this chapter, she's, uh, she writes, I heard myself saying, I'm tired of helping other people enjoy God. I just want to enjoy God for myself. Mm-hmm. And I think as like people in ministry, like we often get into those mental spaces where we're just tired of caring for other people. And it's like looking around like, man, can someone care for me? Mm-hmm. And to kind of look up from that moment and be like, these people were immediately willing to just jump in a bus and be with kids because I couldn't, you know, like that's a pretty huge, huge moment to realize that like, yeah, like these people are, are, are ministering to me as much as I get to minister to them, you know? So I like to explore that a little bit. So um, you're here, you are, you're not feeling great for various reasons. And, and you send these people awesome that they jumped in. And I know that that makes you feel relieved, but um, I, for for the people who are listening to this, I wonder, you know, how did you feel that whole weekend? Um, obviously, I'm not talking about physically that you weren't there and you were supposed to be there. You know, how did how how were you feeling during that time? So I will correct you slightly. This retreat is not one that I actually like put on. It's kind of one of those rare retreats where you just pay the money, you show up, and then the camp staff up there runs it. And so, okay. um, it for for that reason, it's one of my favorite retreats to go on because you kind of get to get there and build relationships with kids and not have to worry about what's the next thing that happens at this time and all this other stuff. You just get to be present with kids, which I love that retreat for that reason. But to be honest with you, like Friday, I was kind of a little bit nervous Sunday, a little bit nervous. Cause those are the things that I would have been in charge of. Like, okay, we're driving up, we're stopping here. We're doing this. We got to be on time, all this other stuff. Um, but Saturday, I almost forgot that there was a retreat happening. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and, and that was, but like in reflection on that Saturday night, when I started getting texts from some of my leaders up there, like, it was great to just be like, no, like they've got this under control, you know? And so, um, that, that was just a very like settling feeling in a good way, you know? So. Who gave them the Wi-Fi password so they could text you? That's what I want to know. Oh, I always get the Wi-Fi password up there. You do, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's some of the that actually one of the 
the the enjoyments of going away to things like that is is your level of disconnect um to some degree only, only if your wife is there <laughs> uh, yeah right yeah, yeah, fair enough. and so you know i'm always going you know to the staff when i go to things like that hey what's the wi-fi password because yeah so important. i can't be disconnected right so, yeah, anyway. yeah. that's my uh, first mission when i get there too so <laughs> <laughs> fortunately they don't change it too often so right right so um, tell me about a time when maybe you were just kind of ministry was rough or you're just feeling a little down and, and how you felt built up in the ministry. Hmm. It's hard to not say right now. <laughs> That's fine. Um, you know, like, so I've been going through what I assume to be some gallbladder issues um, for about, what is it? one about two months right now and uh in the middle of trying to get my master's degree and kind of all these other things and um it's just been a, a really overwhelming kind of moment in my life and um you know it's it's been tough but i think that having you know a senior pastor that you can rely on having other pastors in town that you can rely on having you know, other coworkers, even like people from school, you know, from undergrad who I'm still very connected with to have those people to kind of uplift and, and different things like that has just been huge um, to know, you know, you, you kind of, you go through like smaller moments in life and people say, oh, I'm praying for you, you know, right. and you're like, yeah, okay. You know, whatever. Thanks. You know, right. <laughs> uh, at least that's me. I guess that's not all people, you yeah. know, my, my relationship with prayer is bad. Um, and I need to fix that. Um, but like in moments when you're kind of really going through it and somebody who like, even just a regular parishioner who you almost never talk to comes up to you and said, like, you've been in my prayers hmm. like that, that changes kind of how you look at that moment and you're like, I really appreciate that, you know, cause it, cause there's moments I think where we're all just like, you know, you say that and it's like, okay, this is, this is a moment in life that I can get through and you know, it's good. Or is it like this moment I think is one where it's like, you know, I, I really need those prayers right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think having people give you that kind of, follow through is it, it just changes your, 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 you know, the way that you're looking at that moment in life, I think. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you have these moments, uh, where you, you do feel, uh, we'll use the word weak, um, for lack of a better term, but you feel weak and, and to know that somebody is truly caring for you, that, that they would think of you, even if you don't, like you said, someone that you don't, have a lot of interaction with as a parishioner and they and they say hey you've been on my heart and i've been praying for you um that's that's a, a real meaningful thing that the lord uses um as one of my main things for the ministry that i do with with pastors positive mental health is is how the god put us together ephesians chapter 4 that the that we would work together to build one another up in love and so here's this moment where um you feel genuinely cared for um, where, you know, in the past someone says, Hey, you know, I'm praying for you. Like, okay, great. Thanks. But now you're in a moment where you're like, I really recognize my need for those prayers. 
And God provides that through, um, you know, it, it, to what you said, someone I probably wouldn't expect to come and say that to me. Um, but yet that's just a beautiful way that God works in in the church. And so, um, you know, it's something that we could all be praying for uh, that uh, you get this issue resolved, too. So that's no yeah. fun. Um, yeah. You don't want to be like Paul that says, I prayed three times, take it away. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we do want to be that way. Anyway, so uh, over the years, what do you think, um, what have you found maybe to be the most challenging aspect of ministry? Well, I mean... The simple answer is the people. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah. you know, we we talk about this all the time. You know, what's the what's the problem with humanity? Well, we're broken sin sinners. You know, broken fallen sinners. You know, and so um, the 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 great part about ministry, though, too, is like that's also the best part of ministry. You know, and so it's it's finding those moments to realize, like, and and we talk about it a lot uh, around here which is the person who, you know, is kind of confronting you um, in those in those difficult moments, there's probably something else going on in their life in that moment, you know? Um, and so, you know, finding those ways to figure out what that deeper root is to help them kind of come out of that, I think is really, really important. Um, the other The other most natural answer is just kind of like, work family life balance and and how do you you know continue to stay connected to your family because there's great benefits of being in ministry where you can leave in the middle of the day for two hours um but also you know you're kind of always on call you know and so um you know your wife hasn't had you know two hours to herself five days in a row and that usually doesn't work out very well you right. know and and uh, just kind of finding those ways to, you know, help have that support for your family um, is is really, really important, you know. Yeah. So how have church members maybe helped you meet some of those challenges, especially with the work-life balance? I mean, um, have, have they? I mean, I guess that's some of the question, but. Um, to be honest, my answer would be that I think churches are not very good at it. And this is kind of a difference, I think, between kind of second chair leaders and pastoral leaders um, is they very much see pastors kind of in that role of need. Um, and as youth directors, it's kind of like, oh, you guys just get to go hang out with kids and like eat chips and run around and throw dodgeballs at each other. What a what a great job you have, you know, and your life's a vacation every day, you know? And so I think, I think a lot of times, um, you know, I think parishioners give that benefit of the doubt. It's really interesting, you know, I mean, sorry, I'm, I guess I'm mildly complaining here, but. No, it's all right. That's what this is for. Uh, <laughs> but if you actually look at it, at least in our denomination, I'm sure it's different all over the place, but there mm -hmm. is, there is a month for pastor appreciation, and there is a day for youth directors, right? And I think that's that's fairly emblematic of like, um, and very rarely does that day get celebrated in the church for youth directors. Um, and so, you know, like there's, there's often, you know, um, I, I think a lot of that, that um, congregational desire gets passed off to to pastoral leaders um, and not as much to kind of to second chair leaders, I would say. 
Yeah, I wonder if Pastor Appreciation Month um, is why a lot of denominations and faith traditions just call everybody a pastor so that they yeah. have some recognition. I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, it's on, on that note, though. So I've been in pastoral ministry oh, pushing 30 years now. Um, and this last October was the first time in all my ministry that I actually got recognized on Pastor Appreciation Sunday. Yeah. Um, and so it was quite shocking to me because, you know, if people listen to Caleb, um, they, they should know it's Pastor Appreciation Month. So you know that people aren't listening to it because they're right. listening to the country station or the classic rock station right. or in our right. area, uh, right, right wing news talk. Anyway, so um, <laughs> uh, but uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think that you bring up some good things. And I want to comment uh, before we wrap this up. You know, one of the things that, that we find, and I really appreciate what you shared early on about, you know, you were raised in the church. And um, a lot of the people that I talk to that are in pastoral ministry and in full-time ministry, that's a lot of their story. And so I'm hoping that that people, parents with children, uh, will hear this if they're listening to it, and, and even if they're not, but if they're part of a congregation, really encourage people to bring their kids consistently to church because we want them to hear from God. And so you kind of, like you said, I yelled at God. He didn't answer me. Well, he did answer you, just didn't answer you in that moment, didn't uh, yell at you back and all that good stuff. And so I think that one thing that we see, uh, so I come from a long line of people involved in church ministry, myself, my brother's a pastor, um, you know, my dad was involved, my grandfather was involved, my great grandparents were all, you know, in ministry. And so I think that that we can learn from that and and say, you know, uh, this is an important thing. Uh, back the last you and then I think the I think almost everyone so far that is in pastoral ministry that I've talked to have a very similar thing. Well, I grew up in the church and and that helped them be better at what they they do. Um, I mean, I have one guy that I interviewed that was, you know, jail jailhouse <laughs> conversion, you know, type thing, radical change in that. Um, but but he would have, he kind of envies those who had a story like yours and mine. <laughs> you know? that, that, isn't that amazing too? Because oftentimes like those of us who have grown up in the church the whole life, like you're like, oh, my faith journey has been so boring. You know, why can I have had all these other terrible addictions or all these other things? And everybody who you talk to that comes from that background is like, what I wouldn't have given to have the story that you had, you know, and to speak to what you're saying, like I... I kind of have this growing theory. So I've been in ministry in, in youth ministry for over 10 years now and kind of have this growing theory. And it's, and it's, it's based off of what my mom did, which is force your children to go to youth group. Like, and, 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 you know, in the world we live in now, that's not super, um, you know, I don't know, a friendly thing to say out loud, I guess, you know, but, and, and what I mean is, is, kids are so drawn by who is there rather than what is the message that they're receiving. And I often just tell parents like, you need to, you need to make sure that your kid is regularly connected to the word, connected to other adults who love them, who are passionate about the word. Um, and when I say like force them to be there, I'm not saying like have them go twice and see if they like it. I'm saying, make them go three times a month, two to three times a month for six months. And then if the end of that, they're like, this isn't for me, then the answer is, well, let's find something else that is. 
because because you know youth group isn't for every single kid but what you see is oftentimes parents just asking well do you want to mm-hmm. and and the question do you want to like parents parents ought to be the primary faith givers to their kids in their in their families and and it should never be a do you want to and then that that do you want to turns into do you want to go to church today and the answer is always going to be no to a 14 year old kid <laughs> you know no. <laughs> right like i get to sleep in and play video games or watch football or whatever like yeah the always the answer is always going to be no but but that's our role as parents is to say no this is this is a high benefit in your life and and we need this to happen you know so i think i think that's one of the best things that parents can it's what my mom did she she forced me to go to youth group you know and and eventually i realized like wow this is pretty awesome and it stopped being a force and it started being a desire mm-hmm. uh, you know it's it's that fake it till you make it kind of mentality so yeah i mean i think that that you know it is an interesting thing from a pastoral perspective um, at a, and I would say for sure my generation and then your generation, because I think I'm almost so I think I'm old enough to be your dad. Anyway, um, the math works. But um, I think that that uh, one of the things that I grew up with was there was we just went to church. I never thought it was an option. Right. Um, and, and, and again, my parents enjoyed the church family. I, my family went there. Um, but I think what what was missing in a lot of families today is there's a incongruity between what the church person and the home person. And so for me, and I think you sounds like growing up too, church was just part of who you were and it added to the faith that was already expressed at home. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that would be my exhortation to a lot of parents is that, that be a Christian at home and at church, because really I find that your job and my job is really um, adding to and supplementing what parents should already be doing um, for their children. And so we're supporting them in their endeavor to raise godly children. And so it's always interesting to me. I have one pastor who said, um, yeah, I had a drug problem. I was drugged to church on Sunday morning, on Sunday night, and on Wednesdays, you know. Um, and and so I think that what you're saying and speaking to is, um, you know, we're li- we live in a world where we're I got to be careful with how I say this, but, you know, you got to outwill your children as a parent <laughs> and they got to outlast them. Um, and, 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 you know, the reality is, is I just want to encourage anyone who's a parent, or if you have people in your congregation and you're listening to this and, and that you don't see regularly who have kids, you know, say, how can I help you? How can I help you and support you? Because it's so important for kids to be in worship and to be involved in the things of the church. Cause the reality is they're not all going to be soccer stars. Um, yeah, right. I, I I just was meeting with two parents yesterday who are kind of going through through this a little bit, and and I think a lot of our parental, um, to to what you're saying, like a lot of our parents right now are conceding to their kids way too much, yeah. uh, because there's this overarching belief, you know, that that our kids are constantly hearing is that like you should be able to make whatever decision you want to make. And I'm sorry, like you're 16 years old, you're a child. You might be a really, really big child, but you're still a child. And and for 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 most like teenagers, and this is 100% true of me, and I recognize this. I thank God that I recognize this. Like 
I was not an adult until I was like 24 years old. And we, we have this overarching idea that the moment you turn 18, the moment that you graduate from high school, you're now an adult and you get to do whatever you want. And it's just like, uh, no, that's not actually how that works. Like you're an adult by your tax paying ID, but that's about it. Like, you know, the, I, you know, I always tell kids the moment you become an adult is the moment your mommy and daddy stop paying for things for you. And for me, that was 24 years old. I finally started paying for my phone bill. And uh, (laughs) until that moment comes in your life, you are not an adult, an adult. And, and that's a good thing, by the way, too. Like we've got to start convincing kids. It is great to be a kid, like live in that as not, maybe not as long as you can. I shouldn't say that, but like, enjoy that time that you have rather than being so angry about the things that you don't get to do. There's a reason that rules are put into place. And oh, by the way, kids thrive when they have more rules. And so oftentimes as parents, our reaction is to retreat and and concede. And instead, I think that what the reaction needs to be is to advance and love your kids, but tell them like, no, this is, this is how it's going to be. Like you, you are, you're a child still. And that's a great, great thing. Yeah. Yeah, and that's good. I mean, I think, uh, of course, we're old people, right? Um, I think that, uh, you know, when you're 16, yeah, 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 you know, uh, you're just an old person. But then you get out into the real world. You know, my wife and I married at 19, had a kid shortly after that. And you realize, I, I miss being a kid, <laughs> you it's, know. When, it's hard being in the real world. <laughs> when I knew there was food and I wasn't worried about paying rent or, or, or taxes or insurance. I wasn't worried about any of that. And so, you, you know, it's one of those things where, um, you know, if we can relay that. And then also, I, I think that, you know, loving our kids enough to say, I love you enough to raise you in a faith that right now you find very challenging. But it's the one thing. God is the one thing you can rely on as a constant through every trial of life and every season of life. And, and that's what's important. Not again, I mentioned soccer flippantly, but, um, you know, in a 35 year old who's going through, you know, a job transition or a loss of job or whatever, um, their ability to play on the soccer field when they were 16 is not going to carry them through that moment. And, uh, so anyway, that's our that's our soapbox for today. Everyone needs to listen to that. So <laughs> so tell me, Ryan, how someone in your church has made you smile within the last two weeks. Hmm. That's so specific. <laughs> um I don't know. It's hard. It's hard for me to break free of this moment of life I'm in right now. I think, I think it really does get back to what we talked about earlier, which is like the random two, three, four parishioners that have come up to me and said, you know, I'm praying for you right now, you know, and, and I've probably spoken 10 sentences to them in the nine years that I've been here or something like that, you know? Um, and it's, it's just that, that fellowship of believers that just like really, has that that impact upon you to to be able to you know just kind of get through those moments and and just be super thankful you know there's there's always in ministry there's always things that are easy to complain about but the joys always outweigh those things you know and and I think that's that's one of those moments for sure so yeah and you mentioned something that I just want to uh just help people with, uh, 
you know, um, you're not the first person that I've asked this question to, whether it's on a, a podcast like this or if it's just on the phone conversations or in person. Uh, you know, tell me how someone's made you smile in the last two weeks, someone in your church. Um, it's one of those things that people don't understand uh, that in ministry, sometimes we know that we're smiling. We know that we're laughing with people, but because of the other season in our life or the other challenges that are going on, those kind of can overshadow. And we we need to be better at um, capitalizing on those moments where you go, wait, that person I just had a great interaction with. And if I could just live in that moment for in this time, I'd be, be way more built up. Um, you know, one of the things is that, again, you mentioned it earlier, we're never really off the clock. And mm -hmm. and so when we can recognize those moments where I just, you know, it could be just about a joke about, you know, who's going to the Super Bowl or something um, that I can laugh with that person. I don't even know who to root for this year. Anyway, that's a different thing. Um, but. <laughs> Not Taylor Swift. Oh no, I said that out loud. Shoot. <laughs> I thought for a minute my Raiders might get your Todd, your 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 quarterback from Chicago, but I don't think that's going to happen now. We'll see. I don't know. Twelve's uh, a long way to move back. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we could, now and now we're moving to a different podcast. Anyway, so <laughs> two guys with losing teams. Okay. So, <laughs> how to be a resilient fan in a with a team that never wins? Okay. Um, so, uh, anyway, la <laughs> let's wrap it up with this question. Um, so uh, maybe we'll be more specific. Uh, no, you know, you do a lot with parents, and so I think that this is a good question for you. But what's your desire for the people at your church? I think really, I mean, it's it's kind of a cliche answer, but it really is true, man. Like you, you just really want people to come into a life changing relationship with Jesus. You know, like I, one of the greatest joys that I have here is teaching that eighth grade Christian studies class, and we we're in the second semester, and the whole unit that I teach is called Tough Questions for Christians, and. Um, we spend about three weeks at the start of the semester just talking about what truth is mm -hmm. and why you can trust the Bible to be your absolute truth and why the Bible is absolute truth or how it is and and how we can prove without with, with a, re, you know, we call it Lysol faith, 99.98% sure that this is the word of God, right? Um, and if that's the case, you kind of got to listen to the things that are in it. And it definitely should change your life. And um, there's a lot of lukewarm people out there. And, and we all are lukewarm each and every day in our own unique ways, right? Like sin is a real thing in our life. Um, but as, as someone in ministry, it's really, really hard to see people who don't fully get it, mm. you know? And, and I think if, you know, I mean, we worship 400, we've probably got 2000 on our rolls, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And it's really, really hard to not have 1200 people here every Sunday, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and you can extrapolate. I don't say those numbers to sound like, Oh, you know, the yeah. same thing is true in my Alaska congregation. We worshiped 125, but we had 300 on our rolls. Mm -hmm man, like why, why are the doors not busting open? Why are we not setting up extra chairs every weekend? You know, cause like this, this is a life changing message. And 
for the majority of people who are connected to our ministry, it's not actually. And uh, that's scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's an eternal life-changing message too. And I think that that's, we, we carry that burden, uh, you know, like this is not just for this life. This is for eternity. Um, and, you know, I have a church member here that says, you know, if everyone screwed up and showed up on the same Sunday, we wouldn't have room for everyone. Uh, <laughs> you know, just what you're saying. <laughs> And you sit there and you go, okay, I want I want you to understand how precious this faith is and how wonderful it is, um, and 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 how valuable it is, and um, and that's what you want. You want people to truly engage with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in a, in a meaningful way that impacts not just what they do on Sunday morning, but their whole lives and and the people around them too. And so um, I appreciate that heart that you have for people. Um, so keep on keeping on and. Uh, uh, I guess someone said that somewhere, but anyway, um, <laughs> Ryan, I appreciate the time. I appreciate the work that you do. Um, I, I hope as people listen to this, you will be praying for him, not just for his health, but his work-life balance, but also, you know, you mentioned you, you, you are teaching eighth grade Christian studies and, you know, the reality is a lot of the students at eighth grade at that, at that private school, Christian school, don't go on to the high school. A lot of them go to high school uh, for various reasons in, in the public sector, and they get chewed up really easily. And so what you're doing at the eighth grade level, uh, we want to pray that that would stick and that those kids would have those those answers and they would know that it's true and that the because the holy spirit is building their faith they would say no you guys are wrong and they wouldn't be swayed um by the 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 wonderful schemes of the devil and what this flesh throws at us and so thanks for what you do um yeah. appreciate everyone listening again please like subscribe and share and uh together we can help the church flourish <laughs>